Hello and welcome to Sunday Messages with Fairmount Friends Church. We're so glad that you are joining us. You can find out more on www.fairmountfriendschurch.org. Here's Pastor Brock Meyer. Last week we definitely felt the love. Um, I only needed one taco salad, but we had nine, and I'm totally good with that. Y'all showed up for that as well. Um, thank you, Dick. Dick's one that Sunday after church I get a text from, and it's full of encouragement. And Dick Hensley has a strong emoji game as well. There's all kinds of emojis that are full of that, and I appreciate that, Dick. John is going to have a pretty intense doctor's appointment tomorrow, and uh, I just want to pray for him. Bud, can you put your hands on John right here? We just want to pray, yep, that God's going to do a, a healing. Jesus, we just pray for a supernatural touch on his foot. We, got, we just pray, God, that you would invade his body with the power of the Holy Spirit, that you would touch his foot, that you would save his foot. Lord, we pray that you would do a miracle in Jesus' name. Amen. A couple other cool announcements was I got to hang out with some people from Taylor this weekend as it was homecoming and alumni weekend. Vaggie got to see you up at uh, Bishop Greg's office. And uh, Jordan, it's great to have you here as well with us. Is there any other TU out there? Um, but that was it was an absolute blast to be on campus again. Um, and then also one important announcement is that Madison Grant Volleyball won the Grant Four. We need to celebrate that. Yeah, that was a big deal. And Oak Hill did not come in last, but they did win fourth place. And so we want to celebrate that. That's a good win. It's a good win. Yeah. <sighs> L3, the rivalries are just as thick as they've ever been, man. And we're a church that's committed to keeping those rivalries going. Um, this morning, I want to talk to us about this passage of Scripture where Jesus calls us a city on a hill, and that we would be a church with a missional mindset that lives with a direction, with our face set on a mission that God has given us. And I want to kind of tackle a couple areas that maybe we want to eliminate ourselves from the Great Commission. Whether that's fear, whether that's excuses, I'm too old, I'm too young, I'm too man, I'm too woman, I'm too black, I'm too white, I'm too something. And my two-ism, my two, my, my two whatever I am, is going to keep me from obedience. That's because I'm this, I don't have to obey the Lord on being this city on a hill, to being the salt of the earth. And so let's go after with open minds, with receptive hearts and saying, God, what can I do to receive? Because I want to shine. And I want to be everything that you have called and created me to be. If you died for me to not only love you, and, and, and he has died for us to forgive us of our sins, that we would love God, but to become like him, to become like Jesus, and to march out the commanding orders here 
on the earth. And so Jesus, rid me of fear where I'm locked up and I just kind of live isolated and I kind of live navel-gazing into my own world. Let me get a worldview of who you want to reach with my life. Following Jesus and sharing our faith, I believe, should be this great adventure. Whenever the disciples said, Jesus, where are you and where are you going? He didn't give them a GPS with kind of like these instruction manuals. He just said, come and see. Come on. Let's go on this thing together. And today, I just want to do a come and see a little bit and invite you into what I believe is the great adventure of the two Ps that are shaping my life. And it's the presence and it's people. And the more that we live inundated in the presence of God to where I am in love with him and, 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 and I am his and he is mine. And I, and I fix my eyes upon the one who is burning with white hot affection for me. And all of my weirdness kind of gets healed in the presence. And all of my frailties and failings kind of get made right again. And I see him for who he truly is, and he stamps me with the impression of the God-man upon my spirit. I'm now a Christian. I'm like Christ. And I become like him. And I walk and talk like him, and I live like him, and I emit a light off of my spirit everywhere that I go. I become the light of the world, like the city that is shining on a hill. I believe when Jesus invited us to follow him, he was inviting us into a great adventure. He wasn't inviting us into a Sunday school with a grouchy grandma who was ticked off because the flannel graph wasn't working anymore. He was inviting us into this great adventure where we get to be like him and we get to tap into the Holy Spirit and we get to speak words of truth into people's lives. We get to love them in their points of pain. We get to pray for them and see God break through and do supernatural stuff. Jesus is like, come on, let's go do the stuff and you're going to shine, baby, shine. And so this invitation this morning is to those that want to go a little bit deeper and just say, Lord, I, I just want a little bit more. I want more. And maybe for some you hear this and, and just kind of some of those past failures, like, yeah, I tried to share my faith and I got shut down. Their hearts weren't receptive. I stumbled over my words. I'm not a theologian. And you, you can replay all of the past mistakes. And the, and the enemy likes to do that. Because he's the accuser of the brothers and sisters. He wants to accuse you. You're an idiot. You don't know what you're talking about. You should just stop while you're this far behind, right? You should, you should, and he wants to kind of shift this. And so we're just like, well, let's just go the easy route then. I'll just tell you, easy come, easy go. And our challenge is this hard grind. I want to become more like him. I want to do what he's called me to do and so to embrace some of those harder things and say Jesus I want to deny myself I want to take up my cross I want to follow after you and this passage of scripture in Matthew chapter 5 and verse 13 I've got it for you on the screen Matthew 5 13 it says this this is Jesus talking and it's coming on the heels of the Beatitudes. And so this is the Sermon on the Mount. This is the Mecca of sermons. And this is Jesus talking. And he says, you are the salt of the earth. If the salt loses its saltiness, how can it be made salty again? It is no longer good for anything except to be thrown out and trampled underfoot. You are the light of the world. A city built on a hill cannot be hidden. 
Neither do people light a lamp and put it under a bowl. Instead, they put it on its stand and it gives light to everyone in the house. In the same way, let your light shine before others, that they may see your good deeds and glorify your Father in heaven. Perhaps at one point you had it. You were on the scent, you were tracking this, and you're like, man, I've got this love affair. God has done something supernaturally powerful in my life, and I'm tracking, and I'm in love, and I'm wanting to, to, to see him and to have others see him. I'll tell you, it's hard to lead people to a place you've never been, but it's the most impactful to have somebody who has been there to come back and tell you how amazing the place is right? It's, it's hard for, for somebody to tell you, you need to go visit Vermont in the end of October, 1st of November, because it is absolutely amazing. Well, how do you know? Well, because I saw it on Google. They got really cool pictures, and so just check it out. Or you're like, let me tell you what those leaves smell like, and let me tell you what it's like after an autumn rain, and let me tell you what fresh clam chowder is all about, and you've got to go to the northeast. Sandy Draper is just nodding her head. Your glasses are about to fall off. She has never amened me more. You've got to go to the, to the northeast in the fall time. It's absolutely incredible because somebody who has been there that's able to come back with a convincing story, not a theologian of Vermont, not a theologian of Boston, but you've just been there. You've just experienced it. You've been touched by the culture of it. You've been, you've been surrounded. You know what it's like to, to buy the sweatshirt and feel warmth under that, that brisk breeze, right? You know what it's about. And I'll tell you, it's hard for you to tell a convincing story if you haven't been changed and transformed. And you're not in touch with your own salvation story anymore because it happened back in 1973. And you really haven't been back in the present since. And so first, in order for us to shine, we've got to be with the one who is the light of the world. We've got to have this light emitting in us and through us and off us. Because I'll tell you, to try to convince someone of something that I've never experienced myself is really, it's a really tough sell. I also know this, the less that I'm in the game, the less pride I take and the more criticism I have. Let me break it down like this. To play sports in high school or college puts a deeper level of school pride within you. I just know it to be true. I just know it to be true. And for those that don't, you're like, well, you know, I just didn't like the teacher and I got kicked out of school. and I, We complain, right? Because maybe we just didn't have a piece of it. I didn't sweat and bleed and cry and work hard, right? I could feel that last night when we're sitting at, we, we sat at the, at the uh, Taylor football game and then the, the soccer game. The soccer game had, had unbelievable amount of energy because they run for hours to score once. And when they score once, wah, I mean, the place was up for grabs. It was so cool. It was, there was just this energy that was coming alive in that place. And I'll tell you, those that, those that have, have, have been in the game, those that are serving, those that are sharing their faith, those that are engaged in the life of the church, I'll just tell you, there's more of a sense of some church pride. There's more a little bit more of a sense of a kingdom pride whenever I'm in it and I'm giving of myself. But I'll tell you, for those that aren't in the game, Sometimes, hey, you know, it's the fourth quarter, there's three seconds left, we're down by two, and we got the ball, and coach calls a timeout, and we're all staying on the sidelines, and you haven't been in the game yet, and you're like, man, 
who, who did the Gatorade on this, this week? I don't even like this flavor. They got orange? I like red. Oh, and it's not even iced. Couldn't they have just chilled it a little bit long? Who's got the towels? These towels stink. Where's the manager? I mean, does anybody wash anything around here? I'm like, you, you need to wash them. You're not playing. You should wash them. You need to engage. And I'll tell you, we can sit back and critique those that are actually trying. I think it's so hilarious to sit around with a bunch of fat 40-year-olds that are going to critique the, the, the star quarterback. You realize that everybody in the, NFL, in the NFL is a good player. They're good. They're really good if they're going to make it to there. And you didn't make it in high school, and you're going to critique them. Hilarious, by the way. You're just bummed that it cost you 40 bucks to go watch them, and they just didn't win, okay? That's all it is. But we critique criticism flows out of a heart that's not engaged. But those that are in the locker room, man, they're fighting for one another. They're sweating in it. They're together in this thing. And here's what we need as a church family is everybody engaged in a mission because if we're not on the same mission, we have a tendency to, 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 to critique one another because we're distracted and we're, and we're, we're frustrated with just the lack of involvement. It's like the Mary Martha principle, right? Martha was busy working for Jesus while Mary was busy worshiping Jesus. And Martha was the critic when Mary just wanted to be with him. And man, when she was in the presence, all different kinds of things were getting healed up and loved up on her. She was not critiquing Jesus that he didn't do enough home visits or didn't go to the hospital enough. Whatever those critiques could have been, she was just in love. Oh, she just got her heart is so good. But Martha, who was busy just, just running in circles, she was the one that was so frustrated. I'll tell you, criticism flows out of a frustrated heart, but there is very little frustration or criticism that flows from the throne. Heaven is unbelievably positive. It's the source of all life. It's the flow. It's the source of all peace and joy. And we just get really, really good. And all of a sudden, the Gatorade flavor doesn't matter. We're just grateful that we've got Gatorade. We're just grateful for the flow of Jesus that's living in our lives. All of a sudden, things just get really good on the inner man. I'll tell you, if there's not two people committed to covenant and, the, and one person's kind of critiquing it, man, can they sabotage a living room real quick. And one of them's like, come on, let's go. Let's go for this. Or neither one of them are. And that can be really, really hard. Here's the deal is when we're all going after the same goal, we might, we might have dribbled the ball off of our toe a couple times. But we're on the same team. And the thing continues to move forward. I'm going to go back to my notes. <laughs> this is a scripture, I believe. We should be shaped by all scripture. But this scripture should shape our mindsets and therefore shape a lifestyle. It should shape our lifestyles, that the nature of light is to emit beams from the source so that it lights the way for others. And if that's your life, if that's your message, if that's your example, the, the, the nature of light is to, is, is to come off of the sun, that's the number one source of light here on the earth, right? Is, and the sun sends forth light rays of, of beams of light, so too does the Son of God send us as these light beams here on the planet, pointing to a greater source of all light and to illuminate for people. This is the best life. This is the way to live. 
when our hearts are free and full and, 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 and forgiven and whole and healed. This is the best way. And can we just, can we show that to you? And we show that with really good marriages. And we show that with really good life-giving places in our jobs. And we show that with, with really solid communications in our environment, in our, in our communities, where we want this place to begin to look like heaven. And so what is it I got to do today to be some salt, to provide a little flavor, a little taste, a little spice, to preserve what God is doing here, right? So he's calling us to be the salt and the light. We do that by getting around people that need some lights turned on. Not just hanging out in the four walls of the church. And not just hanging out with fellow Christians. But engaging the community for those that need to see Jesus. Notice that these are the disciples that are sitting around. And, and more than just disciples. I mean, it says that Jesus was talking to the crowds. But people who wanted to hear the message. And Jesus begins to tell them later on, his disciples... There was these persecutions that were foretold, and they were not able to slow the obedience of the disciples. Even if I would tell you that persecution is coming, don't allow that to slow obedience. Say, yes, Jesus, I'll do it. Yes, Jesus, I'll be willing to make a stand. Yes, Jesus, I'll shine in my job. I'll shine in my home. I'll shine wherever you've called me to go. Later on, we see these disciples who went and turned the world upside down. Perhaps you're not going to go to another nation, but you can go to your neighborhood. You might not ever cross a sea, but you can cross your street and just begin to love on those who are around you. Let's make this thing as simple as possible. Who in your life now could use a little love? Let's just break it down. This is homework. Who in your life right now, you, don't, you do not need to go get a passport. You just need to get a reason. You, hey, I made you some cookies. And here they are, and I want to love on you. And how are things going? Are you okay? What's the last 18 months been like? Because for the rest of the world, it's been pretty rough. What about you? And we start processing, we start dialoguing, and before long, that heart begins to open up, and we just begin to love on it, and we begin to speak some life to it. What is a good reason for you to jump into somebody's life? Also, I believe that probably if you would audit the amount of time that you do in different things of life, what you're spending your time on now probably has some sort of a shelf life. But the Great Commission will never run out of a purposeful life. You know, Jeopardy, we can watch that, and you can learn a lot of backward questions to give answers in a question form. Um, you can watch whatever, Wheel of Fortune. We can watch, we can spend our days watching, or I can say, I want to spend my life living. What's the greater storyline that Jesus is inviting me into this adventure, and he's saying, come on, follow me. It's time to shine. Be that city on the hill. Let's go. And this is the invitation that we're being called to. So I just want to break it down like this. This is a little acronym that I came up with. Don't know if it works, but we'll just try it. How about that? We'll try it because the acronym is TRY. T-R-Y. The first one on try is talk. We just need to talk. We just need to begin to begin to engage conversations with someone. You're like, man, I don't know how to say it. I don't know what to do. I don't. Just try. 
and just begin to talk to someone. I'll tell you, even if you're wrong, a broken clock can be right twice a day. And you might just stumble your way into, I'm going to have a conversation, and I'm just going to start loving on somebody. Whoa, that didn't work. That hour, it didn't work. That hour, it didn't work. Eventually, my hour's coming, though, and I'm going to keep swinging until I finally, I finally, I'm able to make some contact on that ball. So just begin to make uh, talk. You might think, man, I just don't have very much to offer. I don't, I'm just very little. I don't know what I can share or what I can say. There's something about taking the little that God absolutely loves, and he does it consistently throughout scripture. A few years ago, there were a few people that had this idea. They said, there's this little thing that I have, and it's called my house, and we're going to start operating on a shared economy to where I can open up my house, and instead of these weary travelers staying in hotels, charging $120. I'll charge you half of that, 60 bucks, and you can have my whole house. It turned into this thing called Airbnb. Airbnb now has houses all over the world that you can rent for half the price, but you get the whole house. Crazy idea, isn't it? Would you believe this? Last year, little old living room and bedroom Airbnb sold more rooms to travelers than the Hilton. Is that fascinating? This little idea, all I've got is just this little thing. What is the little thing that you've got that you're able to use? Did you know this? Dr. Seuss. Dr. Seuss wanted to write storybooks for kids using as little amount of words that he possibly can. So he wrote Cat in the Hat, and he only used 125 English words. Isn't that something? And his editor came to him, and he says, I bet you that you can't do it writing 50 words. And he came back with green eggs and ham. 50 English words. One of the greatest books all time ever sold, 50 words that he wrote that with. He is number 11 author all time, most famous author, tied with J.K. Rawlings as the most read in American history. Is that fascinating? What's the little bit when, when, when you're like, I don't just have very much. What is it that God would say, but I've got a lot. And if you would just give me a little, I can blow upon it and do something supernatural in your life. What would an invitation to dinner, what would that change in somebody's life? And you just start loving on them, speaking life into their heart, giving the identity of Christ, working through some inner healing, just seeing maybe what God would do. Just begin to have some talks with people. And begin to try. Last night, whenever we were leaving campus, all day we wanted to get a picture in front of the Taylor sign, and now it's the end of the day. <laughs> and the sun is down at the end of the day. The sun goes down. And so there wasn't any light out. And so we took a picture in front of the Taylor sign. Look at this picture. Here's our family. There we are. <laughs> is that so funny? And so for some people, it's like, oh, man, that was like a failure. And to me, it's like we like put the camera back like, well, we tried. you know. And there's just a perspective. Like you might think, like, I just want to let you know, failure is an event. It's not a person. And there was just this one moment of failure, but that doesn't define you. And so that, is, that might feel like, man, that's my evangelism experience right there. It's like, man, I, just, I was just like nowhere to be found. Like, that, that was a dumb picture. It's like, no, but you tried. And I'll tell you this. God loves that picture more than a zero picture. God loves the effort of we tried more than, well, I just never did. Why? Because I would rather live in fear than to live in obedience. And I would rather live in fear than to just live in love with you, Jesus, and to begin to convince people they've got to go to the Vermont of Jesus in November. You've got, you got to see this. You've got to have an encounter. And so for us to have these encounters all the time, also this was so cool because as we're, as we're walking away, Alyssa and I were just laughing. 
And I'll tell you this, you get to choose the headline of your life. And for some people, they've, they've given you the headline, you're a failure, you're an idiot, that was dumb, you shouldn't have done that. And they've told you, this is, this is the story of your life. And we tag, we chose our own headline. We're like, that's hilarious, headline. Well, we tried. Would, would, how many of y'all would read an article where it says, well, we tried? I'd be like, what did they try? I want to lean in on that. Um, just choose the headline. This last week in the New Sun, I don't know if y'all saw this, but this was the headline right here. It said, parents give opinion on mask requirements at a board meeting. And so here's this whole huge article. Do you know how many uh, sentences in the article had to do with masks at the board meeting? Two. <laughs> one of them was the introduction, and then one of them was a quote from the person who spoke at the board meeting. And then it goes into, the very next sentence says, and in other business, and it says the rest of the board meeting. They just chose the headline that's going to grab the attention, right? I want to tell you, re rewrite your headline. It wasn't failure. It was, it was uh, I'm learning. Uh, I, I tried. It's like, whoa, that was a tough one, but man, I'm going to get better next time. I'll tell you, you got to do some, some crazy meta in here to start getting, being renewed in the renewing of your mind. And saying, Jesus, what is it that you want me to do that I need to start living obedience? That you haven't called me to be a light under a bowl. You've called me to be the city on the hill. That it's time for me to start shining. And instead of hiding my light, I need to shine this thing. Right? And so rewrite the storyline. I don't know what the storylines have been in other places, but it's time to rewrite. Just to kind of knock the dust off, grab that tool out of the shed, and let's get busy here. Um, something that just happened for me in the last couple of months was uh, my son Judah started playing tennis. He plays junior high tennis. And so on the junior high tennis team, and he's not even in junior high, so junior high, seventh and eighth grade, they opened it up for sixth grade, and then we didn't have enough, and we opened it up for fifth grade. So Judah's a fifth grader. Most of his matches he plays against uh, eighth graders. And so he's out there. It hasn't been a ton of fun um, because we just get beat all the time. But we're rewriting the storyline saying, but we get, like, we're learning, right? We're learning this new sport. So after the very first match... The, the coach who signed up to, uh, to lead the team was in between jobs. He took a new job down in Indianapolis. So he coaches the first match, goes into the school, resigns the next day. I get a phone call from Ryan Plovic. Hey, uh, are you sitting down for this? I'm like, oh, shoot. Because usually that means like we need to come in and we got to do like prayer time for students because that's not a good phone call to get from administration. Are you sitting down? That's just a bad way to start a conversation, okay? Just a little heads up there. But he calls me. He's like, would you be interested in coaching the junior high team? Which is similar, I guess. That was probably the right way to say it. Uh, are you sitting down? Because it's a similar effect on somebody's heart. Um, do you want to coach junior high tennis? And so I'm like... Um, no, but probably I'll probably say yes. And so I say yes to this thing under the clause that my wife is the assistant coach. He's like, do whatever you want to, man. We just, we got to have a season, right? So now we're the junior high tennis team and check out this group right here. This is our junior high tennis, man. We look mean, don't we? That's a bad group right there. That's a bad group. So the very first tennis match that I'm coaching, and you don't really coach junior high tennis. You just manage like, okay, you're up next. Um, okay, court three's on. Okay, who wants to play? You two? All right, you two are on court three. Um, oh, we don't have balls? Um, anybody got balls? Yeah, I got a couple in my bag. Awesome. Throw them out there. That's what you do as a junior high tennis coach. And a mom comes up to me, and I'm hoping that, that our tennis team's going to come and worship with us next week. Um, and a mom comes up to me and says, my daughter was at Maggie Neiman's memorial that you led. 
And you were talking about Jesus and how to live this best life. And you were talking about how to get healed and whole and, and even as, as a young age, how you can start living for the Lord. Then she went to her own grandmother's funeral. And you spoke at it. And you talked about, even in your old age, how you can have a relationship with Jesus and you can still make your life count. My daughter's at the beginning and she wants a relationship with Jesus. Sometime during this season, will you talk to her about Jesus? Because I think that there's things that I can't explain, but you could, to where she wants to have an encounter with the Lord. I think that was the purpose of junior high tennis. I'll guarantee you we didn't get any better at our backhand. <laughs> but we're going to encounter the Lord. And we would get together before the, the matches and we would pray together. Judah, my son's praying. He's one of the youngest on the team and he's praying with sixth, seventh, eighth graders. God, we just ask you that you would help us play tennis and keep us safe. Let us compete hard and, and let us just have a good time. He's this little light that he's going to shine. And it's going to get bigger. It's going to get bigger. It's like any muscle. The more I start working it out, the more I start praying in public, the more I start praying on my campus, the more I start praying in the locker room, the more I start praying with my teammates, the more I start letting my light shine, telling who I am, being a witness. Man, that muscle is going to start flexing. It's going to get bigger. And right now it's this little, tiny little prayer. But eventually, right? And what's the storyline? Let's rewrite the story. And it wasn't junior high tennis was a bummer. It was junior high tennis led to salvation. There's a better story, people. And I'll tell you, we want to be a church that lives. Ah, We want to live the best story. And this thing is coming to an end. It's like a vapor. Life is a moment. It's here and it's gone. And we're going to be, what was the purpose of that person's life? Stephen Covey, he says this. He says, he says, to start with the end in mind, right? And so now everyone's standing around my casket. And is anyone there? And do they have much to say? Or it's going to be like Bud talking about Bill. Because of this man, my entire life and my family's legacy is forever changed. One of my favorite books is this, Donald Miller, A Million Miles in a Thousand Years. And this is how he opens his book. If you watched a movie about a guy who wanted to buy a Volvo and worked for years to get it, you wouldn't cry at the end when he drove off the lot testing the windshield wipers. You wouldn't tell your friends you saw a beautiful movie or go home and put on a record and think about the story that you'd seen. The truth is, you wouldn't even remember that movie a week later. Except you'd feel robbed and you want your money back. Nobody cries at the end of a movie about a guy who wants a Volvo. But we spend years actually living those stories and expect our lives to feel meaningful. The truth is, if what we choose to do with our lives won't make a story meaningful, it won't make a life meaningful either. And so, church family, Jesus is saying, come and see. There's a great adventure. I'm inviting you into a pretty cool story, and I want to use your life, and I want to use your life, and I want to use your experiences, and I want to start opening up some really cool kingdom work through you.
through you. And so our response is to say yes. I got two more letters here that I need to get to at some point. Just talk. The R is to relate. The Y, yeah, there's relate. Isn't that a cool picture too? Never been there. I just found it on Google. <laughs> Check out the Y. The Y is yeehaw. God wants to do some fun stuff. Or we could change the words around a little bit, and it's this. It's Yahweh. God wants to break in, and God wants to do some really neat things in and through our lives. And so let's move from being a light under a basket to being a city on a hill. Would you all stand with me as we close in prayer this morning? Jesus, I just ask you, Lord, use us. And maybe for some of you just right now to say, Jesus, I just put a yes in my heart. I put a yes of obedience. I know you're calling me to more. I need to, to move past my comfortable and start moving into being convicted and then moving into just being obedient to talking and relating and going on this adventure with you and seeing Yahweh break in. And, and let's just try it, huh? Let's give it a try. And so, Jesus, I pray, Lord, that you would anoint this church with a trying attitude, that we would try. And, Lord, we just pray that we would be like that city on a hill and that we would be the salt of the earth. In Jesus' name, amen. So we're so glad that you were with us today. You can subscribe on iTunes or Spotify or your preferred podcasting app. Be sure to rate us so other people can know about the podcast.